This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I love you. Again, the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about some of it tonight. If you got a Bible, how about if you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? And then once you get a Bible, if you need that Bible, raise your hand up real high. Our ushers would gladly get you one. I, I, I like for you to be in the Bible to make sure I'm telling the truth. But we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 22 tonight. And I, I, I like to look at statistics. And about a month ago, I began to see some things about how many hours a day Americans do things. They say the average American watches 28 hours of TV a week. It's four hours a day. <laughs> you can breathe, okay? How many of us watch more than that? Well, Pastor, only watch more than that during football season. Now, I'm, I'm saying some things on me, okay? <laughs> I mean, I can watch ball game after ball game, but I'm not careful. And when I say the average American watches 28 hours of TV a week, that doesn't count all the hours you're on computer. That doesn't count all the hours you're on Facebook or social media. Now that can really jump. So I begin to look at these things and whether we like it or not, these things that start out harmless or innocent can ultimately become idols. Where whatever I devote my time and my energy and my passions to, whether it's a person or a thing, those persons or those things actually can replace God in my life. So I've highlighted this or I've, I, I've labeled this counterfeits. And a counterfeit is, is something that's an imitation. It's what I like to call a knockoff. So what the devil does, he tries to imitate everything God has done. But what the devil does is, is nothing more than a counterfeit. Now to give us a little bit of illustration on this, years ago, I was down in Mexico and this guy was selling sunglasses. And so I was sitting there and I looked at him and he said, would you like a pair of Oakley? And I said, let me see those. And I said, how much? And he said, 50 bucks. And I said, I wouldn't give you more than $5 for those. And he was highly offended. He said, 40, 30, and we just get, and I'd hold that $5 bill out. Finally, when he got down to $10, I said to him, I said, the reason I'll only give you five is because those aren't Oakley. Those are Chokley's. Those are knockoffs. And I'm not stupid. <laughs> so I end up getting my Chokley's for $5. One day I'm around a guy in the church and he said, Pastor, I really like your Oakleys. And I said, you want to buy them? I said, I'd give you a great deal for them. 
And he was like, well, how much? And finally, the heart in me, I said, dude, I can't sell these two. They're chokely. So I'm at a water park one year with my grandkids, and I got my chokelys on. And I go down this water slide, and the minute I hit the water, my lens literally explode. They fly out. And I come up, and my chokelys are at the bottom of the pool. And you say, what'd you do? And I said, I buried them. I left them. That's it. Five dollars. That's it. They were knockoffs. Do you know in America right now that the knockoff shoe industry is a billion dollar industry? Not Nikes, but Mikeys. This is so it's it's a it's an imitation deal. So again, this is what the devil has tried to do. He's tried to get us to kneel and to bow to things that are nothing more than counterfeits or knockoffs. And they won't bring the real thing. So we start in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a, law, a lawyer or a religious scholar, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, in the Jewish customs with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, there are over 600 laws. I believe it's 613. But they said, which out of those 600 plus are the greatest of all? Verse 37, then Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With, with every passion of your heart, with every energy of your being, and with every thought within you. Now, this was the first one. And, and really what the Lord is saying here, if you don't get this first one, none of the others really matter. I, I am to love the Lord like God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I'm to love him with every part. I'm to give him first place with everything that I am. Verse 38. This is the first and the great commandment. The first and the great. And so when I read this, every day there are things that are trying, there are things that are vying for the throne of your heart. For the allegiance of your heart. Every day. I, I don't know if you've ever been in the, uh, the ocean. But times you get in the ocean. There's a current that will begin to pull you. And this is what happens with false gods. When I get the real God out of order. It, it's kind of like an undercurrent that you don't even see. But it starts pulling you into that direction. So with that thought there, it pulls you into that direction. Let me ask you something. What are you bowing to or what are you kneeling to right now other than God? Then he ends it in verse number 39 and says, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus summed up all their moral obligations in the word love. And he expressed it in a twofold direction of you got to love God, and you got to love your neighbor. Those two. 
they fulfill all 600 of the laws. Those two right there. Turn with me back to the book of Exodus chapter 20. And as you get to Exodus 20, you'll find out real quick we are in the Ten Commandments. I will highlight something on this. It's the Ten Commandments. It's not the Ten subject, uh, Suggestions. And I've had people say, well, you know what? I don't believe in those. That's okay. They're still alive and they're still real. Just because you don't believe them doesn't make them truthful. So I like to say they're the ten absolutes. So I'm looking at a commentary the other day on the ten commandments of the Lord. And the first four verses are counterfeits. That's what it literally said. These, these are counterfeits. So when I highlight the Ten Commandments here, the, the Ten Commandments to me are something that, man, it's, it's a form of protection. It's a form of blessing when I just honor what God says to do it. And, and sometimes people liken the Ten Commandments kind of like the, the rules at the YMCA swimming pool. Now, why do they have rules at the swimming pool? So people don't get hurt. No running at the pool. How many of you have ever seen someone run at the pool? Not pretty. Don't bring any glass to the pool. Here's a good one. No diving in the shallow end. Here's the best one. No peeing in the pool. No, that's not the best one. Let's keep going. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Now, if you notice there, I am the Lord your God. Pay, pay real close attention about how the word God is spelled right there. Do, do you see it's capital G? Okay. That's, that's big that you see that. I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage? I'm God who took you out of the house of bondage. Now, when He brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, they had been in bondage for 400 years to the Egyptians. And so God said, Listen, I, I got you out of that bondage. So to me right here is this built-in warning. Don't go back into bondage. Don't, don't go back into those things that I got you out of. And if you want to dig into this, a couple passages of scriptures, a great reference, is Deuteronomy 6. And if you'll read verses 4 through 6, most theologians say that that verse, or that chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 of Deuteronomy is the most important verses in the entire Old Testament. You know what it says? There's only one God. There's no only one God. So we jump to verse number two, or verse number three. You shall have no other gods before me. The message says only me. Now, pay real close attention in verse three how the word God is spelled. Have no other gods before me. 
It's little g. There's only one God. Now, I don't believe Father God would have gave us this warning right here if this wouldn't be a possibility. Have no other gods before me. What a warning. And, and so when we look at this, God's character demands loyalty. And, and oftentimes when you study on these lines, it's kind of like a covenant in a marriage. I've been married for 40 years. And it's like, okay, this is my wife, this is the only one. Have no other women or wives before you. This is how a strong God looks at this as. Verse 4. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, sometimes when we read this, people have the thought, that's so primitive. That's so irrelevant. But really, is it? Verse 5. You shall not bow down to them. Any carved image or anything that you've made for yourself. Nor shall you serve them. Again, nor shall you worship them. Anything or anyone that I put before God. Now, the first five books of the Old Testament is called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In the Pentateuch, there are over 50 references that deal with idolatry in those first five books. And the reason I believe that's in there is because these gods, little g, they never take days off. They come after us day by day by day. Now, to help you and me with this, what do you serve in your life? What are you saved for? What do you sacrifice for? What is the security of your life? What do you live for? What do you pursue? See, oftentimes, the things that I save for, the things that I sacrifice for, the things that I, I pursue, the things in my life that I view as security can actually become my God. Oof. My career can become a job. I mean, a, 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 an idol. How do you know that? You give all your time to it. Do you know your physical body can become an idol? I want to be so fit. I want to be so tough. I'm going to show videos in the next coming weeks. And one of the reasons I want to show some of these is because some of it are on football. And football is inherently harmless until it dominates me. Now, I'm going to tell you a true story here real quick. I had a man say to me one day. He said, Pastor, 
You won't ever see me on Sunday mornings if the Cowboys have the early game. Well, I thought, number one, man, football is your God. And number two, you need to be set free if you're rooting for the Cowboys. No, I'm just kidding on that. But see, we, we, can, we can be dominated by so many things in this world. And those things are, are harmless to start out. But do they gradually, that undertow, that current, do they start pushing God out of my life? Do they start pushing God out of my time to get into the Word? Do they start pushing God out of my time to, to worship God, to thank God? And remember what he said. I'm to have no other gods before him. Now to help us a little bit farther... Go with me to the book of, of the Psalms, the 106th Psalm. And as you're turning there, just because we call idols by a different name now doesn't change what they really are. You know, I've seen people have an idol of a home. I'll put all my energy, I'll put all my money, I'll put everything in my life toward that home. Toward a certain car. Toward a boat. See again, nothing wrong with those things until they put God out. So I have to look at those things and say, okay, Father God, what am I bowing to in my life? 119th Psalm, no, not 119th, 106th Psalm, Verse 19. They made a calf in Oreb. Who did? The Israelites did. Remember? God had blessed them. Oh, Moses was leading them out of Egypt and everything. And he goes up on the mountain to have some time with God. And he comes back down. And his own brother, Aaron, and his sister, Miriam, they make an idol of a calf. Now, again, I'm not into idols, but if I was going to make an idol, it sure wouldn't be a calf. Maybe a lion, but a calf? So this is what this is talking about. And they said, and they worshiped the molded image. Do I worship TV? Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this, okay? Sip in your heart. Is there certain programs in TV that you will not miss? That you plan your entire day? That when MASH comes on, even though I've seen it 125 times, I'm gonna watch, at 6.30, I got a date with MASH. Now, some of you don't even know what MASH is, do you? I'm sorry. But see, what happens, we begin to prioritize things that we believe, that's important. I, I, I got to get to the movie. I got I to gotta do this. See, to a degree, we're no different than the Israelites. We just bow to different things. But again, he said, I'm the only God. Have no other gods before me. 
Verse 20. Thus they changed their glory of God into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior. Now, what, what a statement there. They forgot God. You know what this says to me? You better get your rabbit ears up. Because as easily as they forgot God, we can get in that same boat. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham. Awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the gap or stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. Now, the reason I read that part is they acted like these idols weren't a big deal. They were a big deal to God. You know how big of a deal they were to God? That if Moses wouldn't intervene and prayed for them, God was going to destroy them. And so there goes back the very warning again. Man, I, I'm God. I've, I've set you free from all that bondage. Don't go back into that bondage. Don't go back into that idol worship. So for 400 years, they were surrounded by all this idol worship. And God keeps, don't, don't, don't go back into that. Don't do that. Wow. Pretty powerful, huh? When you begin to see it in those ways. So I begin to look at this and I think, what's the driving force of my life right now? What, what motivates me? What moves me? And the things that motivate me, do they move me toward the things of God? And again, God's not against us having nice things. He just doesn't want those things to become priority in my life where that's what I live for. Go with me to, to Proverbs 4. We may get a little further. Actually, just go to Matthew 6. Skip that, Alice. Go to Matthew 6. We'll end with this tonight. So as you're turning to Matthew 6, are the things in your life right now, do they cause you to trend away from God or to trend toward God? Powerful stuff. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the most misinterpreted scriptures in all verse. Most people say this. Where your heart is is where your treasure is. But that's not what the Bible said. That's not what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord Jesus said... Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So if you want to locate yourself, where's your treasure? In other words, what, what are you putting your money toward? Because the things I put my money toward is the things my heart is going to go toward. 
And I don't care who we are. And, and, and so I, I can put my money, everything I have, toward the things of this world. But when I look at this here, those things can become idols. And when we talk about idols, it means I'm literally setting my heart on something besides God. And it's an empty pursuit. Let me tell you what I mean by that statement. How many of you ever bought a car and you just, ooh, you saved your money. I, I got to get that car. I got to get that car. And you finally got that car. It made you happy for a little while. But ultimately, it just became an empty pursuit. How many of you in here have dreamed of these, just the incredible vacations and trips? And I'm not against those. But, but we live for them, you know, and if I was to ask Gloria down here, Gloria, where, where would be the greatest place you could go? And if she said, Paris, I would just love to go to Paris. I'd love to, and, and, and the day arrives and she goes to Paris and she comes back and now it's gone. I've been there, I've done that. But I'm still empty. And see, these are the things that become idols in my life. When I pursue those things and think they're going to bring me happiness and joy, they won't. That's why God said, I'm the only God. Now, I'm going to speak on this for several weeks. I'm going to hit a different area each week. And so the goal this week is where I begin to look at my life and say, how am I doing with the only God? Do I serve him with all my heart? Do I serve him with all my passions? You know, I was reading about King David the other day. This was a guy who would worship God with every passion. And he would worship God with every emotion that he had. The Bible said... He would kneel, he would bow, he would cry. He, he came strolling back into the city one day after a big war and, and he began to dance before the Lord. He began to twirl and spin and I mean he was dancing, tearing up and his wife looked at him and said, you're making a fool out of yourself. And you know what he said? You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. And I believe in saying all that that and even when I come in here to worship God, my desire is not to connect with anybody but God. And I, I want to worship him with everything I got. My hands, my knee, my voice. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes when we go to sporting events or concerts, We worship everything with all our emotions. How many of you, when you watch a ball game, when they score, you sit there and say, not me. You don't want to be in the Swan home on a football day. 
I mean, we have fake bricks. We throw them at the TV and we... There's a passion. I mean, I go to ball games. You're high-fiving everybody up there and we don't yell at the refs most of the time. Every now and then we get a little off. But we're passionate about those things. But I'm not passionate about God. When we stand up. And you guys are quiet tonight. I believe these next few weeks will be very helpful to us. I really do. If you feel comfortable, why don't you raise your hands here to heaven tonight. Father God, we thank you. Oh, Lord, that you're the only God. Just as you said in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, you're one God. And Lord, I pray tonight that if any of us are off base in any area of our lives, that we've worshipped the little G-O-D-S's of this world, Lord, we repent. Father God, we ask that there be a change of heart in here. That, Lord, you would grace us just as you said there in Matthew 22 that we are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our soul, our mind, our memory, and our emotions, our will, and, and with our spirit, everything within us tonight. And, Father God, the areas of our life that we haven't given you first place, we repent of those. And, Father God, the areas of our life that we've looked to counterfeit gods to, to supply love, to fulfill passions that are our faults. Lord, we look to you tonight and we ask you to come back in. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.